It's not about the nails. <laughs> or maybe it is, right? Or a whole bunch of other stuff. But man, we love that video if you guys haven't seen that. We've watched uh, it a couple times we, this we week and every, every time, time we're laughing that. hard. So funny. You've got a nail in your forehead, but uh, <laughs> take care of that. None of us can relate to that at all, oh, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, well, welcome again. Week two of Love Handles. This morning we're talking about communication in conflict. It's going to be really, really good. Um, and again, in this series, we're talking about the raw and the real of relationships. A lot of it is from the angle of marriage. This morning specifically is from the angle of marriage as well. But if you're not married or you want to be married, take notes for your future marriage. But really, some of this stuff is going to help us in all of our relationships. And as a reminder and disclaimer, most of this series is PG-13, so we really encourage kids to be in the Alive Kids ministry. Amen. But uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, we want to just go to the scripture again. We believe what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. And, uh, and out of the Amplified Classic Version, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. We believe that God wants every area of our lives to be blessed, to be abundant, to be healthy, right? As we mentioned last week, God doesn't want our relationships and our marriages just to survive. He wants them to thrive, right? And, and if you missed last week, we really highly encourage you guys to go back and, and listen to it because we believe it's the number one building block in all of this to, to win at relationships. We talked about how to get a vision for your relationship, get a vision for your marriage, right? And uh, we talked about that love handle and, and a couple things, right? That marriage was always God's idea from the very beginning, so he knows how it works best. Uh, God has a purpose or a vision for your marriage. And we also talked about how it takes work for your marriage to work, right? And so if you missed that, you guys can go online to do that. But as we promised, every week we're going to give you guys a uh, practical handle, a discussion question uh, for you and your relationship to talk out and, and kind of dissect together. And last week it was, what is the purpose or the vision for your marriage, right? Or if you're single or in between right now, what is the purpose or vision for your current season that you're in right now. It's important to have the vision first so that you can get God's view on things so that you can step properly in all of this. And today we're going to dive into our second love handle. We're giving you guys one main love handle every single week in this series. Today our love handle is this, and it's win at communication in conflict. Everybody say communication. Communication. And everybody say conflict. Conflict. These are two areas that either propel us forward or really hold us back from unity, from um, you know, intimacy from the great things going on in our relationship. And so we're really going to dive into this today and have some fun. Yes, it's going to be good. And man, last week talking about why does your marriage exist? That's super important to figure out the purpose, right? But um, to, to walk it out on the daily, we've got to learn how to win at communication and conflict. So let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that marriage is your, your idea and that you have a vision, you have a purpose for every marriage, every relationship, every season of life that we're in. So God, thank you that we catch your vision for our season and for our marriages. And Lord, thank you that you give us awareness. God, we thank you that this morning we're all leaving with handles, um, practical tools on how to win better at communication and resolve conflict 
um, with the goal of unity. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're leading and guiding our time. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to actually share four like random things with you guys this morning over the course of our, our time together just to really help us win at communication and conflict. And the first one that we want to talk about is this. Number one, to schedule a daily time to connect on a heart level. All right, to schedule a daily time with your spouse or that person you're in a relationship with to connect on a heart level, right? Why do we need to do this? Well, statistics are reading our mail, and I think we would all agree with this that this is common, that the average person or the average couple is only spending about four minutes a day at a deep heart level. Only four minutes a day. So that means the average couple is talking a whole lot more because we talk more than four minutes a day. Hopefully. Uh, ho hopefully, if not, uh, you know. Right, we need to work on that, right? But that means a whole lot of couples are talking about a whole bunch of other stuff, but a lot of it's practical or administering life or the family together, right? Like, like when do you leave for work? When am I leaving for work, right? What time's Bobby's practice? Who's picking him up, right? What's for dinner? Who's cooking dinner, right? Uh, what, what, did you see what happened on the news yesterday? Oh my gosh, right? Like, like where, what are we doing this weekend, right? Or have you paid the bills yet, right? Or have you changed Sally's diaper? It's been a while since you've changed her, right? Um, and, and all this, like when did you put the baby down? What's their nap schedule? Yada, yada, yada. All important things that need to be communicated because without communication there, the wheels fall off our relationship. But that is not heart level stuff. That is exchanging of information. And if we do this long enough, there can be a drift and a disconnect to where we become just roommates and stop being soulmates, right? And God wants us to connect on that soul or that heart level in a deeper way, again, because he wants intimacy in our relationships, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think we've all been there, and especially when you are got a full schedule and young kids and all of that, a lot of the communi has, has, communication has to be administrative to just survive and keep the family unit moving forward. But we're encouraging you to consider when could there be a moment every day that you're intentionally connecting on a heart level yeah. and asking questions like, not what did you do today, but how was your day? How was your day? What went well? What didn't go well? Um, how are you feeling today? Like pausing to just ask, check in on each other's soul. Like we talked about soul health last week, right? How are you feeling? How was your day? Maybe how are the kids doing? Maybe you're in a, a season where you're working through conflict within your marriage. How are we doing? And asking um, questions that connect you both on um, a soul le level. So considering how can we find time in our schedule? It's, it's so, as we are preparing, it's like, it's so similar to our relationship with the Lord, right? We can go through day after day and not spend any time with the Lord, but it's just a little bit of time every day to have a heart connection with the Lord. And the same is true within marriages. Yeah. Cause it's important to, to get a handle on this because we are creatures of habit. And a lot of times we allow some bad habits to creep into our marriages, into our relationships, and they just get us in a rut and are working against this as far as heart-level communication. I think we're all guilty of this, but if you've got young kids or whatnot, you finally get to the end of the day. You've worked, you've mommed, you've adulted, you've done all the things, you're exhausted, you put the kids to bed, you sit on the couch, and you both go like this until one of you falls asleep. You're connected to Wi-Fi, but you're not connecting with each other, right? You're drifting right? And, and our devices are getting a wedge in there. Or you've got schedules that are way out of whack. We know there's seasons, but if you always work the night shift and your wife always works this shift and you never see each other, 
how is this thing really going to work? Yes, you got to pay the bills and all that, but there's probably some, maybe some other opportunities out there that would maybe align better for your family, your relationship schedule. You got kids' sports schedules, all of that. You got to take control of it, otherwise, it will tell you what to do, right? It will, it will, wag, it will be the tail that wags the dog on you, and it will, it will drive you further away than connecting you, right? Or, or uh, this one we see a lot, like a lot of couples don't go to bed at the same time, and we maybe were guilty of that. I think that's one of the most dangerous things in a relationship, if you're married, to not go to bed at the same time your spouse does if you're both on the same work schedule, uh, because that's when the enemy creeps in, right? That's when boredom happens. That's when scrolling happens with some no accountability. That's when, that's when a lot of doors are cracked for the enemy, right? Because a lot of times before bed on that pillow talk is a lot of times a great time for five to ten minutes to connect on a heart level and just really care for your spouse. Like, how are you doing? How's your soul doing? And so, again, these are just like practicals, but we can get in some bad ruts and we got to break those if we want intimacy in our relationships, right? Yeah, because remember God's vision for marriage is for two to become one. We talked about this last week, but in Genesis 2, 24, says this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And so we can't truly become one unless we're having these heart level conversations on a daily basis. And you know, um, we're nowhere near the empty nest season, but we've talked to many, many of you and many others in our life who have entered the empty nest season and it's typical, right, for you to look at each other and be like, do we know each other? Like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. To reconnect because right. maybe for so long it has just been administrative. Just let's just get all the things done, the kids where they need to be, the bills paid and all the things without connecting on a heart level. And that's where the drift comes because you can think, oh, this is just a busy season and we'll reconnect in the next season. But days can turn into weeks and weeks can turn into months and months into years where all of a sudden you have drifted simply because you haven't made it a point on a daily basis to connect on a heart level. Um, and it's just, it's routine maintenance um, where you connect on a heart level every day and it doesn't have to be a 30 minute conversation, um, but you do it regularly and it, it keeps you connected as one and it helps avoid the, the big things. Yeah. And so in this heart level communication, what our goal is here, we're, we're seeking to know and to understand our spouse, both sides, right? And we love what it says in first Peter chapter three, verse seven. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them. Who's them? Your wife or your spouse. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may be hinder, hindered. So we have this concept, May not be hindered. May, may, your prayers may not be hindered, right? Yeah, we don't want that. Um, <laughs> to dwell with understanding, right? Now, side notes, some of you guys read that scripture, like, yeah, right, Smith, wife, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the wife being the weaker vessel, if you get that translated in the Greek, it just means she can't best bench press more than you do, all right? Uh, the, the sentence right after that says, heirs together with the grace of life. So God created man and woman, and we both have a say in the relationship. Wives, you don't need to be a doormat or get stepped over or whatnot, and, and we don't need any of that kind of abuse in our relationship. That will add dysfunction to our relationship quite a bit as well. The goal in all of that verse is understanding. To dwell with understanding. Understanding is deeper than who's picking up Bobby from practice. Understanding is how's your heart? How's your soul? How's your emotions? What's going on inside that brain? What, what are you feeling right now? How can I help you? How can I serve, right? And, and, and you know, it's, it's not about the nail. No, how is the nail making? It's achy. Oh, my gosh. It's like, yeah, get the stinking nail out of your head, right? Like, but not trying to jump real quick. Guys, we're fixers. There was a nail in your head. Fixed it, right? She just wanted him to be like, that seems like it's hard. <laughs> yes, right? They, just understanding, 
and then you can remove the nail, all right? But, but, but understanding is first our first goal, and a lot of times we like to jump to conclusions and fix it, right? And so as we promised in this uh, series each week, we want to give you guys a takeaway, a practical handle uh, in the form of a discussion question, more so like some homework beyond the Sunday message that you can have some conversation and just really help strengthen your relationship. And the one that we want to challenge you guys with this week is this, when is a time every day that you can connect and communicate about your day with your spouse? When is a time every day that you can connect and communicate about your day, right? Yeah, this is so simple, but really life-changing. Yeah. And so just when is that? And every season's change and sleep schedules change and all of that. But in this season right now, when is that five to 10 minute block that you're like, okay, every day, regardless of what's going on, we're going to connect and talk and ask how each other are doing and ask how we're feeling and all of that and connect on a daily basis. You know, a lot of times people talk about the weekly or the monthly date that is important. And that's true. But really, we should be connecting on a heart level every day um, in, in small chunks. So... Yeah, so connecting daily is important. That's one of the main handles here. The second one that we want to talk about and spend a little bit of time on this morning is number two. Uh, we need to be a selfless student of your spouse. Be a, be a selfless student of your spouse. And so we're going to talk about the selfless part first, and then we'll talk about how you can be a student of your spouse after that. But as you guys know, marriage is built and created by God to be a selfless sport. Not a selfish sport, right? We, we enter marriage, hopefully, with the, the, not the goal to get our needs met, but to selflessly love our spouse and become one with them. That's the biblical definition of marriage, right? Life abundantly and us having greatness in our marriage and, and happiness in our marriage uh, can only happen when, when one is submitting to another and one is serving the other, right? If, if we're both kind of on our high hill and stuck in our ways and you serve me and I'll, you know, I'll forget about you, it's not going to work really well, right? And uh, we love what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul gives us some really good instruction on this. Ephesians 5 verses 21 through 22 and then in verse 25, it says, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Then it goes on and, and doesn't let the husbands off the hook. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So what is this verse in this passage is saying? It's saying, hey, we're, we're called to submit to, to one another, right? And practically that means uh, wives, you, you submit to your husbands in the same way that you submit to the Lord. Lord, I love you. I honor you. I, I want what's best for you, right? But husbands, we don't get off the hook either. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Love your wife to the point of death, just like Jesus did for you and I, so that we could have a relationship with God. And so as we see here, neither one, wife or husband, gets off the hook, right, of, of submitting to one another and serving one another. And guys, marriage really only works well how it's created and designed when we selflessly love one another. And so, so what does this look like practically, right? It's, it's obviously putting the other person's needs before our own, but let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, that's so good. Anybody else challenged by that scripture? Oh my gosh. I remember the first time I, I really saw the part that it says, submit to your husband as to the Lord. I thought, the way I submit to you, God, that's a whole nother level, right? Dang. And for the husbands, love her like you died for us. Like this is, this is, this is the epitome of selflessness that God is calling husbands and wives to. Yeah. Um, another scripture we want to share is found in Romans 12, 10, 
be kindly affectionate to one another. And this is a scripture to all believers, but it definitely applies within relationships. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. In the New Living Translation, it says, take delight in honoring each other. And then the message just puts it plain and says, practice playing second fiddle. Put the other's needs above yourself, selflessness, right? Preferring one over the other. And so, you know, this, this is God's command to us. And obviously there's unique situations where maybe there was betrayal or, or lack of trust and different boundaries are needed to be put in place. And we're not talking about codependency and, and toxic things like that, but we're saying selflessness, putting each other's needs above your own. Obviously you have to be aware of your own needs. We're going to talk about how this all flushes out here in a moment, but um, we need to selflessly love our spouses and be a student of them. One practical way that we can selflessly love them is being a student of them. Study what makes them tick. Right. Study what they like. Study what they don't like. Study and be aware. Man, they get in a funk whenever this happens or whenever this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Studying them so that you know how to best serve them, how to best support them. Yeah. And so... Yeah, go ahead. So, like... Guys, for us, like this is important because we have to have awareness of both our spouse and our needs, right? We're not talking about totally neglect our needs. We need to know what makes us tick, what refreshes us. But a lot of times we can be guilty of this. Like, oh, here's what I need. I, I need to be at least work out three times a week in the morning. I got to have that. And don't take my golf league away from me. I got to be in the golf league, right? And, and oh, no, I need a guy's night out every single week, right? And we, we just do these things. We just schedule them or we say, this is what I'm going to do, whether you like it or not, without any regard to our spouse's needs, our family schedule, uh, the equilibrium in the relationship. We said, I just got to get mine, right? A lot of times marriage is two selfish people trying to come together as one and we got to grow up, right? And we talked about how it takes over a decade to start stop thinking about yourself sometimes and start thinking as one unit together and working together and so that's where a lot of the issues can happen in marriage right to be a selfless spouse we have to be aware of our partner's needs right and how all that goes into it right and ladies have needs too right yeah and this all amplifies when you start having kids right because before kids there's a lot more flexibility and freedom in the schedule but But now someone always has to be home, gets to be home with the kids. Has the privilege, the high call, (laughs) the honor, the great delight, the magnificence of the Lord to watch the kids. God bless those blessings. Praise God. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Parents are laughing. Um. But for us, I know for our relationship, that's when it really amplified for us when we needed to be like, okay, like no one's sleeping, our life is chaotic, what just happened to us? How do we survive? Where we started to ask each other, okay, what do you need to survive? (laughs) And what do I need to survive? And just as an individual recognizing, okay, I operate best when X, Y, Z. You know, as believers, we know we operate best when we have daily time with the Lord. But I know for me, I do operate best when I have at least a couple of days to work out, go for a walk, go for a run, go to Orange Theory, whatever it might be. I know that I need rhythms with girlfriends. I need rhythms um, outside the home with friends. Um, You know, when we were, when all the kids were really young, I remember being like, I just need two hours alone. Like, a week, just two hours. Just two hours alone a week. Like, let me just go get the groceries alone or let me just go for a walk alone. Mom, nope, mom's off limits. She's giving her two hours of sanity this week. 
Dad's here. What do you need? Yeah. All right, I can open up your Capri Sun for you. All right, I got this. I can handle this. Yeah. Don't you dare barge into that room and mess up mom's two hours of free time. <laughs> yeah. But simple things like that. As a young mom, you're like, oh my gosh, two hours alone. That would what be a, amazing. What a gift. That changes everything. Um, and date night rhythms. How often do? What do we need for us to? You know. And it's amazing. I remember when kids were really young, we'd go out for like a three hour date night. We would just go get coffee, but it felt like three days and we would come back. So we refreshed go, like, and grocery shopping together without the kids in the cart. And it was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Or like, when... nah, 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 I want this yeah. or throwing crap in the cart that doesn't belong. You know, it's like, wow, we can just walk around a window shop. Or when Ezra was born, when our third was born and grandparents had the kids and we were in the hospital and they were bringing us meals and oh, we were like, this, this feels like this a hotel so stay. Like, Do you want to go home today? I'm like, no, <laughs> No, let's stay. Yeah. Could I have a cheeseburger at six? And yeah, take yeah. the baby and take him off to the nursery. And oh, we'll just sleep here. And everyone's just like waiting on you. You're like, this is awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, the bill's racking up. You're like, go home, you know? Um, so what are we talking about? We're talking about being a selfless student of... Serve your spouse. Your spouse. But this is super important um, to be aware, to have that conversation. If you've never had that conversation with your spouse, it's a really good idea. Like, hey, we've got a lot going on in life, but what do you need on a weekly or a monthly basis to be healthy, spirit, soul, body? Have an awareness of that. And then you have tools because then you're a student of your spouse and you recognize you know, that they have some kind of reaction that's not healthy. They get irritable or they get whatever the response is and you're, and you're able to be a student of them and prefer them over yourself. Like today's actually my workout day, but babe, I can tell you need to go to the gym. So how about you go instead of me? So you can, yeah. or you help be a right. mirror. Sometimes if you're yeah. in a funk, you don't even know what the funk is, but because your spouse, spouse is a student, student of you, they you. can say, Hey, I've recognized yeah. this. Maybe it would help when, when can you go out with your friends or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I mean, selflessly. This, this is something we, uh, we have been growing in. You know, we're not experts at any of this. It, it takes time to really learn your spouse and what makes them tick and how you can selflessly serve them and make sure they're having those, those healthy rhythms in their life, right? And, and just, so no, just so we're clear, this doesn't mean you get to do everything you want to do when you have this conversation because there's only a limited amount of time. There's needs and responsibilities. There's kids. There's work. There's bills. So you're going to have to pick like your top one, two, three, and when is that going to happen in rhythm with your spouse and there's different things that happen in different seasons, right? We, we've had, yeah. you know, we had three kids three years apart and in that season, it was like, what, what do we do? Yeah, when you're bringing new kids every year, you know, every year every a kid comes, years, you got a, you however readjust. many months yeah. without sleep, and your whole life rhythms change. And so yeah. adapting based on the season of life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just a, a practical example is workout and, and always reevaluating life rhythms. And I was listening, I um, was listening to a, a Christian leader speaker speak this week and she was talking about how oftentimes we can think that we need to be A plus in all of these areas otherwise our life rhythms aren't going to work and she talked about how when her kid was home she would just sign up for jazzercise just because she needed to move her body and get there like she wasn't losing weight she wasn't dropping pant sizes like there was no biceps but she was just moving, moving just getting a C in that area and she's she, get degrees right? <laughs> yeah and that since now her, her child is off to college, now she's hired a personal trainer, now she has biceps, and now she's A-plus in this area. And so just recognizing seasons. So anyways, when it comes to working out, you know, we used to work out in the evenings, and we'd tag team days, but, and we couldn't do it in the mornings because we weren't sleeping. You know, the kids were up at 5 a.m. You don't sleep. The kids wake up at 5 a.m. It's going to be hard to hit the yeah. gym really efficiently at that time, right? So we had to adjust. We did evenings, right? Now our kids are 
all in school, and the night is, as soon as school's over till they hit the pillow, is activities, practices, all that. So that doesn't fit. So now we have to wake up early around five or six if we want to get that time in. We, we alternate, and we let each other go uh, a couple times a week each time, and, and that, that's working good. Fighting for your rhythms with Devo time. Devo time looks different when you get, bring a new kid in, and then you've got kids that are, can take a nap for three hours and all of that kind of stuff. You've you got to find your rhythms that work, but the key is what do you need to be healthy, right? It's like food, water, shelter, and football, right? It's like, like guys are like, I got my four, right? It's like, you know, what do you need, right? What's going to fill your tank up so that you're feeling energized and that you feel like you have a voice in this, right? Um, you know, there's been different rhythms. Uh, uh, over the years, uh, Erica knows that I love basketball, and, like, I'm just a happier dude. Uh, when I get to go play basketball once a week. It's just something that's been a part of my life uh, for a very long time. And so uh, there's this guy's group that I run with on Wednesday night sometimes. And, and just, like, those, there's different seasons, though. This year, like, with football and all the activities and my, our daughters and volleyball, I've, I, for the last two months I haven't made it. And I know that because we talked about it and we are like, this, is, this will come back eventually. So there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But right now I, just, I, really, I really need to lean into my family's needs and my wife's needs and my spouse's needs. And I'm going to sacrifice that because I love her, Right? And because I love what God is doing here, although I'd rather be there, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do it with great joy because I know that it's what God is calling me to do, right? And so, yeah, and again, you increase a, what you're doing in the mornings. You just yeah, adjust. You just adjust. Yeah. You're just gonna, again, it's, it's never like this is what we decided on, yeah, but then you add another kid to a mix, you add a different career, or a different schedule. Yeah. You're going to constantly need to talk. Again, heart level, how are you doing? I'm feeling overwhelmed because I feel like I haven't had a personal day in two months. All right, well, that is a warning. That is like engine light has been going off and no one's been paying attention. We just keep driving. Pause. I know I was going to go play this with the dudes this Saturday, but instead, because I know my wife is in critical condition, I will watch the kids. What had just come out of my mouth? And you go to get to hang out with your girlfriend. <gasps> Guys, could we, could we ever do that? Right? Could we, could we honor and prefer? And yeah, is it the most enjoyable thing we want to do? Absolutely not, right? But put them down for a nap and turn on football on Saturday. Come on, it's not that hard, right? I mean, let's go. I can teach you how to do that, all right? If you're needing help, we can, we can pray for you after service. Like, feed them really well, get them really full, rock them until they get tired, put them down, put a noise machine on, and go watch a pigskin full of air cross a goal line and go nuts and say, honey, it was a delight to watch the kids today. It was just like one of my favorite things this month, all right? Sorry. I'm yes. really getting off on the kid thing. Man. Yes. I struck a chord. All right. There. All, right. All right. So Sabbath rhythms Bring too. Sabbath all all the rhythms reevaluate, and that's why the daily check-in is important because, especially when you've got kids, seasons are always changing. How are we doing? How do things need to adjust this week? How do things need to adjust this month? So. So all that to say, we have another discussion question that's not for the screen. Another good discussion question. In a perfect world, asking your spouse, what are some weekly, monthly rhythms that if you could be guaranteed that you have them, you really feel like you'd be operating on all cylinders? And both considering how to serve one another to make sure that those rhythms are in place so you both can be healthy. Here's what we know. Healthy me, healthy us, right? So if, if you're healthy and your spouse is healthy and you feel like you've got some rhythms that adds to the overall health of your marriage and your relationship, right? But when one is struggling at the mind, the other one's thriving, there needs to be sometimes some course corrections or some adjustments to make sure we can level up on, on both areas, right? Because, again, we want healthy marriages. We want healthy relationships that produce godly offspring that thrive and not just hang on on the vine and survive, right? And so we got to make sure we're talking about these things and also making space in our schedules to do these things. So that's the second thing, right, is, is uh, to make sure that we're doing that, right? And, and 
and knowing and becoming a student and constantly learning about your spouse and what makes them tick and what helps them be refreshed. The third thing that we want to talk about that will help us win at communication and conflict is this. Number three, approach conflict with anticipation of greater intimacy. Right? I think this, this sounds countercultural. Approach con- conflict issues. Approach conflict and hard conversations with anticipation of greater intimacy, not lesser intimacy, right? Yeah, a lot of times when there's conflict or we sense conflict, a lot of times knee-jerk reaction can be to run, to hide, to avoid it, to stuff it under the mat, to just pretend like it's not there. But we've seen over and over in our own life and before before God called us to lead alive, we oversaw a college-age discipleship program, and the students lived together in student housing, and we were the, the leaders of everything, that, the Bible school and all, all of it, but we would help mediate conflict resolution conversations often, and oftentimes they'd come, and she hates me, and we're not best friends, and yada, 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 and I'm like, guys, let's talk about it. You guys are going to be even closer than you were before. It always happens that way. Yeah. You enter a conflict resolution conversation with the expectation of, okay, this is going to get harder before it gets better. It's going to be a tunnel of chaos before it gets better. But on the other side, there actually truly is greater intimacy and greater understanding. And so just framing conflict that way, because two individuals coming together with different values, different priorities, different upbringings, different perspectives and trying to operate as one, there's going to be conflict, but you have to work through it to get to the greater intimacy. Uh, we love what uh, marriage expert Dr. Gary Smalley said. He said, he said, conflict can be good. Combat is bad, right? Conflict can actually be a great thing for our relationship. It's going to happen whether we want it or not, right? But combat, going at each other to win a battle and prove our, that we're right and they're wrong is never a good thing, right? Navigating conflict, though, in a healthy way can actually be a doorway to greater intimacy in our relationships, which is so powerful, Right? Uh, the prophetess Kelly Clarkson said, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Sorry, that is, she is not heresy, Burnham, no, all right, uh, whatever. But what doesn't kill you, what doesn't take your relationship out can make you stronger, right? Somebody's like, prophetess Kelly Clarkson. You're still stuck on that. What, where is that? Book of what? So it's not that we shouldn't fight, right? Like, like here's what I, I hear. You ever meet a couple? Maybe you've been this early on. Remember honeymoon stage? Like, oh, we just love each other. We just never fight. Life's so great. When I meet a couple of them, I'm like, there's something wrong with you. Either you're not talking or connecting at a heart level because you're different and you're different. Mom and dad raised you different than you different. You like to do this. God brings opposites together. Where are the sparks? If there ain't no sparks, there ain't no closeness. There ain't no intimacy, right? Right? we got to have a, not a fear, but a, a faith to walk into some tense discussions and, and situations knowing that on the other end of that, there can be greater connection, greater understanding, greater intimacy on the other end of that. Right? It, it's not that we don't fight. It's, it's, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be misunderstandings. It's, we need to learn how to fight fair. All right? Talk it out fair as adults. A lot of us are aged in the adult category, but we throw adult temper tantrums when it comes to when things don't go our way in a relationship. And we're like a two-year-old that's like stomping up the stairs. And like, someone needs to spank you on the bottom and put you in time out. You know what I'm saying? Like, sorry, if you spare the rod, spoil the child. We can talk about that later. All right, sorry. Week don't, four. Week four. Week four, parenting, adulting. Come back for love handles, all right? But how many of you guys know communication, when we share the conflict, that we share the issues, 
how we, what we say and how we say it is so important, right? And oftentimes, you've learned this in life, it's not what you say, but how you say it that really makes the difference, right? We, know our, we already know our words have power. The Bible reveals this to us. We've looked at Proverbs 18.21 many times where it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, are our words, right? And those who love it will eat its fruit. But our tone and our attitude behind the words that we share, this is just as equally important, if not carries some more weight when we deal with conflict resolution. Proverbs 16.24 says this, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Wicked, evil, spiteful, I'm right, you're wrong. That's like a bee sting to the soul. You know what I'm saying? But gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet and pleasant and all of that, right? Yeah, so, so good. Yeah. So good. Okay, so just a couple of handles. Do you mind standing with me? I feel like switching out my legs for yeah, a minute. Let's stand. We can do what we want. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's stand. Um, Everybody do some squats. All right, you guys doing good? <laughs> Online, are you paying attention? Are you sleeping? Sorry. All right, just a couple of practicals with all of this. It has really helped us. The help me understand phrase has been um, really life-changing for Eric and I because a lot of times offense and bitterness can creep into marriages and relationships because someone does something and the other person assumes the motive behind it is negative. And so there's been a lot of times in Eric and I's relationship where one of us will do something that the other one wouldn't have done it that way or wouldn't have said it that way or, or takes offense or gets irritated at the action or the words. And so instead of being like, I can't believe you just did that. You're so selfish. You're so, I bet, I bet that's why, and you know, the way offense happens when you assume things. But a lot of times we'll come to each other and, and I'll just use Eric as an example. He does it to me too. But be like, hey, babe, help me understand why you reacted to that situation that way. It comes with an expectation. It, what love believes the best, right? Yeah, it so it comes with the expectation that surely there's a good motive behind what you just did. I don't understand it. But, I'm pretty hot right now, and I'm ticked off. But yeah, but I could have said, something. but I could have said, I can't believe you just did that. Do you know? You idiot. You jerk. You yeah. stupid face, right? And it's like. Then we go into fight or flight, right? Um, it's like we start flexing. And when yeah. we start flexing, punches start flying, right? Yeah. So you want to be relaxed and like, help me understand. But when we respond and we say, help me understand, then one of two things happen. Either he's able to say, oh, yeah, I did it because X, Y, Z. And then I'm able to have greater perspective and be like, oh, that actually makes sense. And that's a good response. Or the other thing happens where he's like, <laughs> I don't know why Football I did that. Meat. And she's like, there was nothing going on in this area right here. Like, there was no activity. And, and right? it could be a learning experience and for it could be a learning him. For us, let's be honest, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Either way, it's, it's good. And then it's opportunity to become one. Oh, let's be unified on how we view XYZ. Okay, so help me, help me understand. understand is a really good phrase. And James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And slow to speak, slow to become angry. When we're, when we're quick to listen, we can avoid offense and say, just help me yes. understand. I'm not going to be quick. I'm not going to be a nagging wife. I'm not going to Try to take the nail assumptions. out right away. I'm going to yes. listen to how the nail's making your forehead feel. Yeah. And then we'll work on taking it out, right? Yes. But I want to know. 
how, how yes. you feel, right? Okay, a couple more. Um, I statements rather than you statements. I statements. I statements. So something happens, and maybe it's not a help me understand season, but maybe it's a, man, I really felt unvalued when this happened. I really felt X, Y, Z. <clears throat> and it's not you did this, but it's, I just want to let you know how this decision affected me. And then it's not an attack, but then it creates opportunity for there to be compassion and understanding. And then the other person, <clears throat> oh, we didn't put it on there. What I hear you saying. Here, repeat so here, here's, a good, here's a good conflict resolution example. Biblically, you go first to the person that offended you, right? You don't yep. go tell your girlfriends and your mom and everybody. TikTok. <clears throat> TikTok. So you come to the to the spouse who did something that hurt your feelings or whatever, and you say, hey, Eric, I felt really unvalued. I felt X, Y, Z when this happened. Wow, babe. What I hear you saying is you felt very unvalued <clears throat> when I chose to just watch football for eight hours straight and not help you with the dishes in the kitchen. That's correct. That's what I said. <laughs> wow, I'm so sorry. I, I, I had no clue. I, I, I was kind of a little aloof there. I had a long, busy week, yada, yada, yada. But man, that's not okay. And uh, I'm sorry. And now we have greater intimacy. Right? <laughs> We're closer. Come back for week three. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, shoot. Um, but... <laughs> But that what I hear you saying phrase is really important because sometimes you say, I felt this way, and they interpret it totally different. Sometimes they say, what I hear you saying is this, and you're able to say, no, that's not what I said. I actually Wrong. said this. It's a good time to course correct, right? Yes. What I hear you saying. Yes. Communication isn't just us spewing our perspective or our stance or our argument. It's two-way conversation. I, a message was sent. It was received, what I heard you say, and, and there's, then you can find some unity and understanding in the midst of the jacked up situation. And again, that's how you get to greater intimacy on the other side of some really hard conflicts. What doesn't kill your marriage will only make you stronger if you're talking about it, if you're working at it, and you're working through it together, not fighting each other, but fighting fair, working again towards that vision. What's our vision? Where do we want to be? We know this isn't right. We're not right right now. But God, through God's help and his Holy Spirit, and through forgiveness, and through listening and understanding, and we can get to a greater place together. Amen? Yes. All right, I've got two more thoughts, and then I want you to run with the, the last one. Do it. Yeah. Um, and what's really important about the, the vision, having the unified we exist because statement that we talked about last week, is because you have shared values. And then when you get to that moment of conflict that says, well, I do it this way, and I do it this way, what is your core value? And sometimes, oftentimes, especially in newly married couples, when, well, I've always thought that this is how it would be, and I always thought it was this how it would be, and this was modeled for me, and this was modeled for me. Okay, but what is our marriage based on? And so what does the word say? The word is our guide, right? Yeah. And so we're going to form our unified oneness based on the word. And so when you have the conflict resolution, then it's like, oh, well, we have a shared value on living a biblical life or whatever. And so we know what truth is, and so we adjust based on what the word says, right? And then last handle is always and never statements. Ooh, these are good. Um, a lot of times Avoid when, those. A lot of times when you're in an argument, always you can be tempted to say, well, you never take out the trash. I'm like, oh my gosh, January 5th, 2015, <laughs> I took out the trash. Let's go. It's, it's wartime now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you never... Rarely are those true. And you so, never change diapers. Why well, change one in the hospital? You right. know what I'm saying? It's like, well... 
Yeah. Then you start flexing, your flesh gets involved. And so avoid never or always because it puts you in defense mode and you either get fight or flight and that tears away intimacy when, again, our whole heart is to have intimate relationships. So we need to talk through conflict. So have an expert. Maybe, maybe conflict got reframed for you in these last few minutes, right? Conflict is something you've always buried or ran from, but if you do it with God's grace, do it at the right time of day, do it with some time to talk things out, you can actually have a blessed relationship on the other side of conflict. You don't have to ignore it because they never go away. They just grow and they get bigger and they get more roots, right? And so we want to dig that up and we want to get into those tunnel of chaos conversations, but do it in a way where we're not yelling at each other or uh, demeaning each other or hurting each other, but talking as adults, what I hear you, what happened, okay, work for understanding. Amen? Can I say one more thing? Sure. One more thing practically is sometimes, you know, the scripture says don't gotta go to bed angry, but that doesn't mean the whole thing needs to be resolved before you go to bed. God bless you. Y'all need to go to work and get some sleep. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes something gets Your brought up in the, in the daily heart-to-heart conversation, but you both know you've got 20 minutes to talk before you need to hit the sack because you got to be ready the next morning. Right. And so let the feelings out, talk about it, and then just say, all right, our feelings are out there. Nothing is resolved, but let's press pause on this and let's set another day and time, hopefully within the next 24 hours, as soon as we can to say, all right, up. we're going to pick this back up tomorrow at this time. And sometimes it needs to keep going for a couple of days, right? Before you can really iron it out. And, and, you know, sometimes in certain topics, maybe you have to say, okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree in, in, in a little thing here before we fully become one on this, but you have to talk it out, right? Amen. All right. All right, last one, real quick. Uh, Number four, number four that will help us all. It's just a good reminder. We've heard this before, but I think as we think about marriages, relationships, how to do this well, how to win at communication and conflict, we got to remember that, number four, love is a choice. Amen? Love is a choice. We all know conflict's inevitable, right? Uh, Differences in relationships, that's what makes the spice, adds the spice and the flavor to your relationship, that you're not the same as your spouse, right? Disagreements frustrations, hurt, betrayal, all of that sin. It's all going to be a part of our relationship because we live on an earth with a curse. We are fallen people that need a savior, Jesus, right? And so we're not going to do it perfect every time. And so we got to remember that, man, in our marriages, in our relationships, love is a choice. We have the choice to choose to love even when our spouse is acting very unlovable or vice versa, right? And, and, and I think a lot of times we put love in the emotions box in that category. Oh, I feel in love. We fell in love. Oh, I fell out of love. Where'd it go? Like, it's not here. <laughs> Anybody else want to love me? Right? It's like, like we feel like, like it's just an emotion or a feeling. But love is actually so much more than a feeling. It's, it's an action. It's, love is something that we do, not just something that we feel, right? Love is a, isn't a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision to choose to prefer my spouse above myself, even if my spouse isn't acting godly or lovely or enjoyable or anything towards me. doesn't change my job description according to a husband and a wife, according to the word of God, the one that created marriage, that wrote the book on it and knows how it works best. doesn't change the fact that, man, he calls us to love one another, to submit to one another, to prefer one another. That's hard. Ever say, that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, scripture says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. We don't 
fill our side of the bargain only if the other person does. No, it's selfless, unconditional. We love selflessly regardless of what's coming back at yeah. us. So it's a choice, right? We choose to believe the best or we can choose to believe the worst, right? We can, we can choose uh, to be selfless or to be selfish, right? We can choose. And you want to know the cool thing about all this love stuff is this. Here's what we found. And I think a lot of you guys can testify to this. When you choose to love, even when it's hard, eventually your feelings and emotions can catch up with your obedience. All right? So I'm choosing to love you even though you're acting very unlovely right now. I'm choosing to love you. And over time, as I continually choose that and believe the best and ask God's help for that, feelings of love and affection can actually follow that. Amen? And you can bring that spark back in that area of your marriage. The power of love in your relationship and your marriage is so incredible. What does the scripture say? I'll leave you with this. 1 Peter 4 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. I like how the Passion Translation says it. It says, above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. You've got two sinful people trying to become one, hurt people, hurt people, We've got wounds. We've got issues. No marriage is scot-free from any of that stuff. But love, choosing God's love, that echoing God's love for us to our spouse will create a canopy over a bunch of junk and trauma and hurt and betrayal and sin in our relationship. Amen? How many know God's love wins? Amen? And love is powerful, and it's really powerful stuff. And so Man, we get to have an opportunity to be like Christ to our spouse and love them as Christ loved us. How many of you guys know there's so many times in our relationship with God where we miss the mark? We're not acting godly or lovely to him according to his word. But he doesn't be like, fine, I'm going to treat you like junk. No, he always loves. He chooses to go the higher road and chooses and makes a decision to love. That is powerful. And that can do so much healing and has, has so much restorative power in our relationships when we allow God's love in to do that stuff. Amen. So good. So good. Well, sh- can we pray, guys? Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that you modeled this selfless love for us. Lord, that uh, marriage relationship, husband-wife relationship is an illustration of how you love us. Scripture says that you so, Jesus, you so, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. God so loved the world that he gave, that he loved selflessly, that he loved sacrificially. He sent his son for us, that we could have forever relationship with him in heaven. And so, God, I thank you for the relationships that are present. And God, you know. You know hearts, you know relationships, you know us individually, you know us within our relationships better than we even understand. And so God, I thank you, Lord, for love covering a multitude of sins. God, I thank you for your healing and rest, uh, restorative power at work within relationships that are in a, in a, a moment of conflict and, and misunderstanding. God, I thank you for fresh, solid ground for their marriage to stand on with the grounding of your word as their guide. And Lord, that you would cause them to be one in every way selflessly loving one another, selflessly being a student of one another. Lord, help us. 
have our marriages and our relationships and the way that we live be a reflection of you to a lost and dying world. Lord, we love you for that. We trust you for it. We receive it. And 